Hey there, thanks for joining us here at Compass Church, where we are making God accessible to everyone. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, head over to our website, compassbn.com. We hope this inspires you and gives you practical ways to live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, I'm Chris. Thanks for joining me again. So there's a thing that happens sometimes when I go out to eat with my wife that I give her a hard time about. Because sometimes when she's ordering food at a restaurant, she has a tendency to overshare with our server. So, for example, when our server asks uh, what I want to drink, I might say, do you have decaf coffee? And they would say yes. And then I say, I'll have that. But when Terry orders the same thing, the conversation might be totally different. When our server asks her what she wants to drink, she might say, do you have decaf coffee? Because caffeine really messes me up, and and if I drink regular coffee right now, I'll be up all night, which wouldn't be that big a deal, except I have to be up early tomorrow because I have family coming in from out of town, and you know I need to do some cleaning because the house, gotta get the house ready, and we have dogs and kids. I mean, so you know how messy things can get when you have dogs and you have kids, and especially when your dogs have white hair like our dogs have white hair. I mean, that stuff just shows up on everything. I mean, look at my husband's shirt. I bet you $100 that you'll find white dog hairs on my husband's shirt. And it's usually at this point that I will lean in and I'll say, she'll have decaf coffee. Now I'm not making fun of my wife. Okay. I think it's adorable. And I also understand why she does it. I mean, sometimes when we are in uncomfortable or awkward social situations where maybe we don't really know what to say, we can get diarrhea of the mouth and we can just start babbling and rambling. Now, I'm pretty sure if you don't know anyone who does this, that you probably are the person who does this. And the reason no one else in your life talks like that around you is because they can't get in a word edgewise. Okay, so just be aware that's you. But saying weird things because you don't know the right thing to say, that it doesn't just happen when we're talking to other people. It happens when we pray. It happens when, we, when we're talking to God. I mean, when, when I was in high school, there's this kid who was in our youth group, and you know someone like this, but when he prayed, he would repeatedly say, Father God, okay? So it would sound like this. Father God, we just ask, Father God, that you would come, Father God, into this place, Father God, and let us feel your presence, Father God. And, and he would just say it over and over again, and he had no idea that he was doing it. None. It was this unconscious tick that was built into how he prayed out loud with others because he probably just felt uncomfortable. Just didn't feel like he knew what to say. And, and I'd be lying if I told you that I didn't start counting how many times he said Father God when he prayed. And if I remember correctly, the record was somewhere in like in the 30s. So now you might know a Father God prayer. You might be a Father God prayer and it's okay. I get it. But it's not just this unconscious repetition of things that happens when we pray. Sometimes we say things that are just weird. We just say words that are weird words to say. Maybe you've heard someone pray this, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Now, that just sounds odd to me. I mean, food already nourishes our bodies. It's just what food does. I mean, we don't need to ask God to make food do what he created it to do. And it feels like 
We're just, we're actually praying, Lord, please don't let this food poison me to death, Lord. And it's also kind of funny that we pray this prayer over and over again over food that's the opposite of nourishing. You know, we pray things like, Father, thank you so much for this deep fried double cheeseburger with cheese sticks and onion rings on it and, and, and the bacon. And it's held between these two buns of donuts. Father, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Although, honestly, I think if we are eating food that will eventually kill us, I guess that would be the appropriate scenario in which to pray that God would bless the food to the nourishment of our bodies. I don't know. I'm just saying this. It's not a bad prayer. It's just it's a little weird. Nobody uses the phrase the nourishment of our bodies in any other context other than this prayer that we repeat, this this prayer that was probably handed down to us from someone else who prayed it. Sometimes the challenge of prayer is that we feel uncomfortable and awkward when we do it. Like, you know, we don't know how or what to say in order to make prayer work. Or or sometimes we feel like we have to repeat this right combination of weird words that were taught when we were young that don't make sense in any of your context, but when we pray, that's when it works. And if that's you, you aren't alone. People in all sorts of religious traditions have tried to nail down and figure out the best way to pray for years. I mean, the Romans, who Jesus grew up, uh, he grew up around them in the first century. Like, Romans in first century Palestine worshipped a pantheon of Roman and other pagan gods. Lots of them. And many of these gods had different names. And these different names were, were all intertwined with each other. Like, so, for example, uh, the Greek god Zeus was also adapted into the Roman god, Jupiter. The Greek god of war, Ares, is the same as the Roman god of war, Mars. And, and, and even though they were the same gods, they had different names and were looked at in different ways. And, and so Roman worshipers believed that one of the keys to getting what they wanted when they prayed was to get their god's attention by addressing them in just the right way. So they would run through and repeat all of the possible names of the gods with all of the different titles and honorifics that might go with those names to get their gods' attention. And in addition to that, they believed that to get their gods to answer their prayers, that they had to put together this exact right formula of both the name of the God and the phrasing that they were using. So for example, they would adapt and repeat their prayer formulas over and over again to gain the attention of these fickle gods in order to hopefully get an answer. Pagan Gentile prayers at the time, they weren't really that different than casting a spell. You just have to get the words right in the right combination with the right name of your God and repeat it enough to get their attention. And that's why Jesus taught this about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. He said, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So the Gentile Romans, they thought the way to pray was to use this thoughtless and unconscious formulaic repetition of the right words. And Jesus is like, don't do that. Don't be thoughtless when you pray. Don't treat it like you are reciting a spell or a, or a mantra in order to get God's attention. You don't have to do that because your Father in heaven already knows what you need and he cares about you and he's paying attention to you. And if you are a person who has struggled to know how to pray, 
What should prayer look like? Or, or what words should I say? Well, it's your lucky day because Jesus doesn't just tell us how not to pray. He actually gives us a guide in what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And that's what we're heading into right now in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm certain that you have heard that prayer before. It's very familiar. It's the Lord's Prayer. And and really, as short as it is, the Lord's Prayer is pretty dense. I mean, there's a lot in here that we could talk about. But I want to point out a few things that I think are important for us to be aware of. And the first thing is that the Lord's Prayer, it would have been recited by Jesus' disciples in the early church. So prayer recitation was a Jewish religious custom. And after they would pray the standard Jewish prayers at the normal prayer times every day, followers of different rabbis and different Jewish teachers, they would then pray the prayers that were taught by the the individual teachers they followed. So, for example, look at what Jesus' disciples asked for in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus' disciples here are talking about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's disciples had a way of praying, a recited prayer that he taught them. It was a recited prayer that marked them as his followers. And Jesus' disciples, they wanted the same thing. They wanted a prayer that both showed them how to pray like Jesus, but that also would mark them publicly as followers of Jesus. Now, recited prayers are not the norm in our faith tradition. It's just not something that we normally do. But if you struggle to pray, I would suggest trying this. I personally... I recite the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of my personal prayer time as a way to center myself on what is most important to Jesus, which is actually the big thing I want to show you next, what's important to Jesus. Because to see the priority laid out by Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, we need to take a step back and look at the big picture for a second, okay? And when we do this, you're going to see that there are two main sections of the Lord's Prayer. The first section is found in Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Section one, okay. What is this section about? It's all about God. It's about his relationship to us, that he is our loving father. It's about our seeing him hallowed and honored in our world, asking him to do that. It's about desiring his kingdom and his will to be done in our lives here on earth, asking him to do that. And when we step back, what we see here in the first section of the Lord's Prayer is actually a prayer template for loving God. When we pray this, we are orienting our hearts around developing a deeper love for him. So the first section is just about loving God. And then the second prayer section, okay, check this out. In Matthew 6, 11, it says, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So 
the biggest and most important word here in the second section is the word us. I mean, look at it. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts and our sin. Lead us not into temptation. Now, this is really important because followers of Jesus, I think, have missed this for years. The Lord's Prayer is not an individual prayer. It's a corporate prayer. It's not a prayer for God to do good things for me. It's a prayer for him to do good things for others and me. It's not a prayer for God to meet my needs, but to meet everyone's needs. And when we pray the words us and our instead of me and my, all of a sudden our prayers mean something totally different. Because now it's not about my flourishing or prosperity, but it's about the prosperity of everyone. And doesn't that change our our entire posture? Because all of a sudden, I'm not looking out for my own good when I pray. I'm looking out for the good of others. And so what we see in the second section of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught is that it's all about loving others. It's a prayer template for loving our neighbor. Father, provide for them, feed them, forgive them, help me forgive them and protect them from sin. I know this sounds kind of simplistic, but listen, the Lord's prayer is about loving God and loving our neighbor. That's it. It's literally praying Jesus's great commandment to love God and to love our neighbor into being. And praying this prayer is an act of centering ourselves around the most important thing Jesus commanded us to do. It's it's about centering ourselves around his priorities, around the one thing that if we get it right, that we get everything right. I mean, look at the great commandment that Jesus gave side by side with the Lord's Prayer. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, on all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are vertically aligning our heart, our soul, and our mind with his desires. We are praying our love for him into being. We are growing our love for him as we pray. And then look at this in Matthew 22, 39, the second part. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what we pray. We pray, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're not just vertically praying to love God better, we are horizontally aligning our desires to be for the good of others, not just for ourselves. We are praying a love for our neighbor into being. I mean, is it it any surprise that when Jesus taught his followers to pray, that he would teach us to do it in a way that's oriented around what matters most to him, which is loving God and loving others? The reason it matters to Jesus that we as his people don't pray thoughtlessly is because he very thoughtfully wants to develop something in us. Prayer is not 
to trick or manipulate God into doing what we want. It's to develop in us a closeness with God and to align our desires with His. So when we pray, God overlays His will on top of ours and His will will always be centered around loving Him and loving others, always. If praying is difficult for you, use the Lord's Prayer. Recite it in the morning and in the afternoon and before you go to bed. Use it as a template to, to pray Jesus' priorities in your own words, but, but pray. The length of your prayer, the amount of words you use, they don't matter to God. He already knows what you need before you speak. But allow prayer to be what God created it to be, a time when we are drawn close to him and changed more into his image. Jesus gave us the words. So when we pray, let's use them. When we use Jesus's words in prayer, we begin to see what he does in our lives as he causes us to love him better and to love others better and to ultimately live out his priority for all of his followers in this world. Thanks again for joining us today. If you want to learn more about us as a church, get connected, need prayer, or anything else at all, head over to our website, compassbn.com.